This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Jacqueline Whitney had a plan for her life. As a teenager, she was great at school, great at volleyball, and she knew that those things would take her down her dream path. Everything changed, though, when a series of injuries affected her ability to exercise for more than a few minutes and to be able to focus on her schoolwork without needing to sleep. Jacqueline had to learn how to deal with this sudden pivot. She turned to writing and then eventually to Instagram to communicate her story, her loss, her pain, and her questions. And one by one, a community of thousands of people experiencing similar struggles began to show up. And Jacqueline's been in the process of healing and recovery. And though she's still in the midst of that, she uses her time and energy to encourage her audience by sharing her writing and her story. I am Brandon Harvey, and this is Sounds Good. This is the weekly podcast where we have conversations with inspiring people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to make an impact. I'm so excited about this conversation because I've been following Jacqueline online for quite some time now and deeply admire her empathy and her ability to connect with others. So without any further ado, let's just jump straight into the conversation. Jacqueline, I am just so happy to be getting to talk to you today. I've been following you on Instagram for... I feel like it's been a while now and and I just had to reach out because I, I wanted to to get to know you and, and have this conversation today. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you reached out and somehow you found me and I saw that you were following me <laughs> and I clicked on you. I never actually heard your name before that and I clicked on your profile. I was like, this dude is legit <laughs> and I love what you're doing. You inspired me so much from the second that I saw your page. Thank you. Well, I felt the same way about you. And I think that I think some people in our community, like listeners to the podcast had maybe even, you know, recommended you or, or had talked about you or I, I saw that they were following you. Um, but I, I, I checked out your Instagram and it's just full of beautiful words. I, I love that about you. I love that it seems that you spend a lot of your time um, communicating things in your brain into words that you can actually share with people. And and literally your Instagram account is words. Like a lot of your posts are you sharing photos of uh, of words that you've written. And um and it's it's beautiful because you'll be sharing these beautiful, articulate, hopeful thoughts. And people are are really engaging in the comments. People are really um connecting with it on a personal level. And that was when I knew that I, I wanted to to talk with you because I didn't know anything about your story, yeah. but I could tell that the way you were writing was you were writing from a place of empathy. And it seemed to me that you were writing from a place of um, having experienced things in your life that were difficult that led you to that empathy. And, and that yeah. was why people were connecting with you. And so I'm just, I'm just so excited we get to to talk today. Yeah. I'm so happy we're doing this. And 
yeah, you're pretty spot on with reading who I am. It's, yeah, it's been a crazy journey, but I think where I come from, where the, from a place of writing is it's how I process things. And that's mm. what it's always been for me is processing. And I'm a very deep feeler, as you can probably see through my words. And it's been my way of really getting everything that I was feeling inside of me out into a place mm. of external, not in me, holding it in. Do you feel like you've always been a deep feeler? Because no. I was thinking about that. I feel like I have only recently become a feeler in general and maybe not yeah. even a deep feeler. Um, no, I get, I actually get asked that a lot because huh. I know because I am such a deep feeler now. I think to an extreme that sometimes it's a pain, <laughs> but it's also such a blessing to be able to feel in the way that I do. And no, I haven't always been that way. I think until I went through some really hard times in life, it brought it out of me. And I maybe I always had it in me because I always have been a sensitive person and a deep thinker, and but not to the extreme that it is now. And un- hmm. again, until I went through some tough times, it, it, it wasn't able to come out of me until that. It's interesting that you can have a shift like that. You know, sometimes I think of it as like, oh, this is the personality you're born with. But it, it sounds like this is something that, that can happen to people. And maybe, I don't know about this. Do you think that that the opportunity to be a deep feeler can happen to anybody? And, and maybe oh, even I, like everybody's presented with the opportunity? Yes. I think every single human being has it in them to feel anything they want to feel, every single emotion, any anything. But I think also that one, I mean, for me, it was life situations that brought it out and everyone has their own personal way to open up that seed. I think we all have the seed, but it takes something outside of us to really nurture that because it is a, it's yeah. such a gift. And I use the word nurture because it's such a gift to be able to process who you are. Oh, that's so interesting. It's It reminds me of when I first started going to counseling. I just started going because I wanted to grow personally and I wanted uh, to have the opportunity to kind of process things, just like just day-to-day things, nothing specific. And one of my first sessions with my counselor, who's fantastic, he pulled up this um, this chart of like the five basic human emotions. And one of them was joy. And I was like, oh, I'm very familiar with that one. Mm-hmm. I understand what that one is. And And then the other ones were like, anger, shame, you know, things like this. And there were all these other emotions. And I realized that I was completely unfamiliar with all of them except for joy. And and he's like, okay, which one do you want to talk about first? And I was like, well, let's talk about the positive one first. And he's like, Brandon, they're all positive. And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? Clearly only joy is the positive (laughs) one. And it was this really fascinating thing because I feel like I'm a deep thinker. And I was presented with this idea of like, okay, I get to think about all these emotions, but it wasn't until I started maybe struggling with things or experiencing things in life that I was able to actually deeply feel some of these things. I think I could logically connect with them. I could be like, okay, I can kind of see the value of anger and and why it's maybe important to to feel fully and not bury it inside of myself. But it wasn't until I, I started actually kind of like allowing myself to 
do that to be like, oh, I'm angry at this thing in the world. I totally agree with anger. Okay. So that word anger is, it's one of those emotions that you kind of have to train yourself in a way to bring it out because we all have it. And anger, especially in, you always hear it as it's part of one of the grieving processes when you lose someone. But anger is one of the top three emotions, I think, in healing from anything. And Hmm. for me personally, I didn't, my counselor told me, I've never experienced anger. For all my life, I've never experienced the emotion anger. So we worked with trying to bring it out. And once I started feeling, she didn't even, I didn't even know that's what I was feeling. My brain didn't know this is anger. This is anger. But there were signs that anger doesn't always come out in face scrunched, like screaming, wanting to punch. It's, there's so many different facets of it, but it's so important. And like you said, you've always felt joy naturally. Well, some people don't even know what joy feels like. They might know what happiness feels like, but joy is a totally different feeling. Mm. You know what I mean? It's a deeper feeling than happiness. And it's figuring out how you process these emotions and it's different for everyone how they perceive that emotion yeah that's really interesting and I, I like this idea that like we all maybe have some of the natural things that we're like bent towards and kind of to clarify what I said earlier you know my therapist told me that every emotion has like positive and negative aspects you know it's not like anger is always positive of course uh, yeah. or shame or even joy I feel like I got to run this by my counselor again. I can't necessarily be prescriptive on any of this. I'm like, do I believe that? But it is interesting to think that like we all have the opportunity to grow in all of these things. And some of these we may have a little bit more, like we may have more ability to feel one or the other, but we can all grow. And oh man, this is, I didn't even know this this is where this conversation was. I know, I didn't either. Um, We're already talking about anger. (laughs) I, I think the really quick, I feel like we've been beating around the bush a little bit on your story. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's, Go for let's, it. Dive in. Let's dive in a little bit. First of all, remind me how old you are uh, right now. Because you're you're fairly yeah. young, right? Yes. I am the ripe age of 20. Nice. Great. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I, I basically perpetually feel like I'm 20. Like I think 20 really? is, is the age that like if somebody were to like just really quick be like, how old are you? Like that's what would come out of my mouth really that's quick. That's so funny. Um, I swear I'm a 30 year old. That's great. So you're 20. And, and and where do you live? I am from a small town in Pennsylvania. Oh, cool. Okay. How far? Like, what's your closest big city? I'm kind of halfway between New York City and Philadelphia. Closer to Philly, okay. but yeah. And what was your town like? How big was it? Very small. There was about 120 kids in a graduating class. About oh, more That was the same with mine, too. That's amazing. Yeah. Maybe mine so, might have been like 160, but... Yeah. So I feel like it was one of those towns you hear, like everyone knows everything about everyone. Yep. So yeah, it was very small, um, a really nice area. You know, you never really hear bad things going on. Everyone has pretty good lifestyle. And yeah, I've been living here my whole life. And uh, what, what did your parents do for work? So my dad is a doctor and my mom is currently stay at home mom. But she was in the fashion industry before she oh. had five kids. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Wait, where are you in like the birth order? So I have a younger brother who's like my best friend. I love him. Oh. And I have, I'm very close with all of my siblings and my family. 
I have two older sisters and I have an older half brother. Okay, cool. So yeah. you're second youngest. Yes. That's awesome. And what, like, how did you feel like you were different than your older siblings growing up? Because I feel like when you're a younger sibling, you, you, you know, people almost kind of project, especially in a small town, like they'll project some of the things that like your older siblings did on you. And you've got to be like, yeah. no, this is how I'm different. I don't know. Honestly, I've always been close with my sisters and having them older. Actually, well, my oldest sister went to a totally different high school and graduated from a totally okay. different, she went to a private school. And my other sister and I went to the same high school and she was a senior when I was a freshman. And we actually had one okay. class together and it was always so good for me. It was always positive. I don't know. I was, I was always good friends with her friends and we always hung out. Yeah. And so growing up, what were you into? What did you care about? What were the things that got you excited? Yeah. So growing up from a young age, I've always loved sports and I loved anything competitive. So I also loved academics and sports and academics came naturally for me. It was a gift that I've had. So I was jumped on that and I was like, okay, I can use this for something like go to, go to college and play and do well in school. And from a young age, I felt that. I was, I've always been the type to think ahead of the game, <laughs> like thinking way too far ahead of me. But yeah, you're anyway, planning. So yeah, I love sports and I was a big volleyball player. My sister played volleyball growing up. And so I feel like I, I was like super into volleyball. I still feel like I really am. Volleyball is a great sport. Yes. So yeah, I started really seeing that I had a passion for it in eighth grade and I started playing travel volleyball at eighth grade. And when I started playing, I started having complications in my legs. Uh, when I was on the court, I would start to feel numb from my knees down. And that wasn't a normal thing. No, that's not normal at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, it started, I had those symptoms and having my dad as a doctor, we contacted a bunch of people in the area that he knew that could help us try to figure out what was going on. And so I started seeing several doctors and long story short, I got connected with one surgeon out in Wisconsin and we presented to him my symptoms and he was like, yeah, you have this one condition. It's very rare, but I'm pretty positive. That's what you had. How rare was it? It, what we were told and saw online is that it's very rare. Um, he was the only surgeon in the United States that even knew about it. There's been what? 550 diagnosis of it. Dang. Yeah. So I went out to Wisconsin, June of going into freshman year of high school, and I had this long, difficult surgery to heal from that. And yeah, it was just, it started becoming this process where I healed from that surgery and all of those symptoms went away and I continued to play volleyball, sophomore year of high school, constantly in and out of physical therapy. Um, and because my legs were so weak from that first surgery, I started getting other complications where I was tearing my tendons in the front of my knees. Oh no, that's terrible. Yeah. So come sophomore year of high school, still playing volleyball, that first tear in my knee happened during my sophomore year of high school, I had, I ended up tearing both of them. I had orthopedic surgery at the, the University of Pennsylvania Hospital. Uh, we did the first surgery. 
And then I recovered from that and then did the next one. And my knees were fine. I mean, I was having, I was recovering from that. But during that last surgery, which was in April of my sophomore year of high school, I took some time to recover from that. But then I went back to school and something was off in my brain. Hmm. How so? So school was always kind of natural for me and I never really struggled in my classes. And I was a big math science person mostly. And I remember I was sitting in math class and numbers that I normally processed that came easily to me, I was messing up. I would get a test back and my grades were dropping dramatically, which was never something that happened to me. Nothing felt right. I was constantly tired and I would come home feeling like a zombie from school. Doing homework was normally 30 minutes of work would turn into three hours. So again, something was wrong. I ended up seeing doctors and getting brain scans and nothing was showing up in those. But still sophomore year of high school, I ended up getting a neuropsychological test, which is a test that they do, which is like the concussion test they do for sports on steroids. It's a super intense, that test, but an all day thing. And it came back that I was above average or average in every part of the brain, except for one part in the left side of my brain. So some injury occurred while I was under anesthesia. There was nothing that we could prove, but it seemed to be that it was during that last surgery that I came back and it was different. I never had that before. Oh, wow. Like, what do you kind of like think it is like behind the scenes? You know, and that's, that's been the hardest part of saying, oh, I have a brain injury. I almost feel like I can't say that because doctors don't fully know what it could be. Hmm. Yeah, you're like I. I have the symptoms of having a brain injury, but I don't know exactly what, what it is. What how the injury happened? Yeah, wow. and that has led to me feeling crazy. It's led to me doubting myself. But everyone that knew me knew something was off. I was completely losing who I was. I wasn't the same upbeat, motivated Jacqueline anymore. Everything was hard for me. Everything made me tired. I would read for 15 minutes, and I would have to take a two-hour nap. I was taking long naps every single day. And it sounds to me like you had two things taken away from you because of these three medical incidents. You know, you were passionate about volleyball. It seems like that was a really significant part of your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because of physical injuries that's taken away. And then you really care about school and academics and you wanted to use that down the road. And because of a mental injury, that seems like it was taken away as well. It was. So I tried to push and my school was so good at working with me. And I was, I ended up cutting my classes down. I knew I was going to graduate late. I did online stuff and I tried everything, but I got to a point where it was just too much. I was completely losing who I was. I, I felt like a robot. And I said to my parents, I can't, this is not worth it. I'm either going to completely push, lose myself, or I can push myself to finish school. And, you know, and it was, it was just too much. So I ended up all of a sudden having this piece that I had to leave high school. 
Hmm. And what year in school are you at this point? I was in my junior year of high school at this point. Where wow. I, when I made that decision that I was going to drop out of high school. Dang. And what did you think that your future was going to look like at this point? You know, if, if, yeah, if you had these plans to go to college and maybe even play uh, volleyball in college, and then all of a sudden you're not even finishing school, high school. Yeah. My, so my dream was to play volleyball at a good college. And I was doing recruiting stuff with my coaches and I lost all of that. I had to stop everything and I completely lost my identity from that you know because I was working so hard to be the best that I could be in school and sports and I thought I had my future lined up and I was going to go do this and you know be successful in both those things and I couldn't do it anymore I didn't have the same life that I had before that last surgery that's a wild loss because that's that's loss of identity. That's loss of what you believed your future would be. It's still hard for me to talk about. Like I almost feel like I'm getting emotional right now. Um, it still f- at times feels like a loss. I, I've, I'm in such a different place now. And, you know, I, I look at it as something to be grateful for because all of the blessings that's come from it wouldn't have, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if that all didn't happen. But you know, when you, for so many years, feel like you have everything planned out for you and lined up and then circumstances that you had no control over happen and you lose it, you feel like you lost yeah. who you thought you were. And ever since it's been, you know, processing it and accepting the new me, the new Jacqueline and my healing of my brain has been amazing to see. I'm doing so good now. Yeah, tell me more about that because it sounds like you're doing much better and in, in you know, we've been talking for more than 15 minutes and you haven't had to take a 4-hour nap, you know. Yeah, um, that's amazing. What's that like? Tell me about that process of um of recovering the healing yeah. process. Yeah, the recovery process. I mean, you know, I, during the whole thing I I had to really learn to take care of myself and not push myself too much. And always being that person to always push myself so hard, I've really had to learn to take a step back. And, you know, for I think for the past year now, I've really seen my brain coming back to being able to do things that I couldn't do before that. I haven't taken a nap in so long, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Did you go back and finish school? Okay. So I guess that's a great question to ask and get to that. I ended up getting my GED, which is... Good. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And I bet that was difficult though. That was very... I mean, I had to accept that the people that I went to school with for so long, I wasn't graduating with them. And seeing all the people that I knew forever going through graduation and going off to college and I wasn't there was very difficult. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine that. And you're like probably seeing photos on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That was very, very difficult. I felt very lonely during that. I just wanted to take a quick break from this conversation to tell you about the sponsor of this week's episode of Sounds Good, Hover. Hover makes it easy to buy a domain name for your big idea. Hover also believes that the internet has the power to bring change in the world. 
And if you put those two things together, you have something powerful, but you also have an ideal podcast sponsor. I love Hover. I've been using Hover for years. And if you have a blog, if you have a website, you know all about using the internet to share ideas that matter. Maybe you're spreading positivity or bringing about change. As an influencer in your passion, your words matter. You deserve to represent yourself well, and your domain name is a huge part of that. Having a personal domain name feels way more reliable and way more professional than having a domain at .blogspot.com, .squarespace.com, or .whatever.com. You can get your own domain name from Hover to represent the good that you're putting out in the world in a really professional, good-looking way. And here's the thing. It's way simpler than it sounds. You can get a .com domain name for only $14.99 per year. And Hover makes it really easy to get connected with whatever you're building your website with. The Hover Connect feature allows you to connect your domain name with a few simple clicks. And that's what I did when I bought brandedharvey.com over eight years. That's I wrote that down eight years. That, that's a long time. I've had my website for more than eight years. Anyway, for listeners of Sounds Good, Hover is offering 10% off your first purchase when you visit hover.com slash sounds good. Go to hover.com slash sounds good today to save 10% on your domain name and help support this podcast. Hover, making it easy to bring your passions and ideas to life for the sake of changing the world. Okay. Now back to the rest of this conversation. What else were you doing? So on top of those like physical things, what were you doing kind of mentally to cope with this during this time? You know, and even um, we talked earlier about anger and how you, your, your counselor said like you had never experienced anger. Yeah. So going back to what we were talking about in the beginning um, with my writing is, you know, this is really where it all stemmed from is I was never a writer in school. English was actually the subject that I struggled in the most. But once I left high school, I felt like I left everything. It was behind. I needed something to hold on to. I needed something to help me process everything that was going on. So my mom bought me a journal and recommended that I just start writing everything that I was feeling. And these words just started pouring out of me. And I would sit down and I would just feel like I had this urge to write. And I would sit down and I would write. And 10 minutes later, I had a whole page typed out out of nowhere. What were those words like in the beginning? Like what, what were all those emotions like? It really helped me. I mean, it was hard to write the things that I was writing because I was like, I was writing, you know, what I was feeling and how hard it was. And I just had to get it out. And once I got it out though, as hard as it might've been to write about the things that I was writing about, once I got it out, I felt a weight lifted off of me. Mm. And yeah, I guess, so I I started writing, I guess when I would have technically been a senior in high school, it was really a therapeutic thing for me. And I didn't, but I I didn't start sharing this stuff until a little while after. Yeah. And tell me about the choice to start sharing these things online because, you know, that's, you, you've got a, a big crowd of people who are excited to show up and, and hear your words online, but you were just a high schooler yeah. when you started doing this and yeah. you were, uh, you know, just writing in a journal. Tell me about that transition. Yeah. So I don't know really what, I think it was just something from God that came into my brain. 
And this was the thought that came to me and I wrote it down. I was like, I need to do something else with this. This is maybe there's someone else going through what I'm going through. Maybe I'm not as alone as I feel like I am. Hmm. And I had an Instagram page during this, but it was more of a, you know, sharing my friends and high school stuff. And I was like, it was just one night. I was like, why don't I just share one of these journal entries and see what, where it goes. It might not go anywhere. And I shared it as a post and, you know, I got a couple people responding like, yeah, I felt this too. And I ended up starting a website to share this stuff. And it was called finding my verse. And I would, I, every single time that I would write something in my journal, I was like, okay, is this going to help one person? Could it? I don't know. Maybe it will. So then I would post it. Hmm. And these were very personal journal entries that I was sharing. But every single time that I went to post something, I had this piece that I needed to post it. As like vulnerable as these words were, I just I needed to. I needed to share it. And every single time that I did push myself to share something, someone would come back responding that they needed to read it or they were going through something different but similar. That's beautiful. It's a tricky thing because I feel like it's not necessarily like there's a requirement that all of us have these difficult, heartbreaking experiences in that we have to share them online. Like, I don't think that that's like a thing where it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, the rule is that you have to make every innermost feeling that you have publicly available to the world. But I love that when you took the opportunity to do this, it made an impact. Like it made an impact on other people, but also it sounds like it helped you feel less alone, which oh yeah, that's got to be especially huge because you're at home, not at college, mm-hmm. in a different context than you ever thought you'd be. And that's probably a game Yeah. Changer. I mean, as much as I was seeing that my words were impacting other people, like you said, it was more impacting me, making me feel less alone. And it was so healing for me. For me. And it has been, that's what it's been. And that's why I kept going with it. And it's just grown. And I've, my writing style has changed. And it's just this constant process of trusting when I need to write, what I need to share. And that connection with other people and this, this, what's become a community is, and feels like a family of everyone's going through something different, but we're all going through the same feelings. It's kind of like what we were saying earlier, that in order to become a deep feeler, something has to happen. You know, you've got to have something in your life that's um, some sort of external catalyst. And that's what I've seen with the people that have reached out to me is something's going on, whether it's just with a friendship or stuff, personal stuff going on at home with their parents or stuff going on at school that triggers that emotion. And I think it starts, honestly, with a negative emotion. That is that catalyst to bring it out. Yeah, I mean, it's something that's certainly not positive. You got to go through that that whole process of of dealing with that thing and and feeling it fully. And then I think at that, you know, once you've felt things fully, then that's maybe when you get to let it go and and maybe have a sense of acceptance. I I mean, it sounds like you're still in many ways in the middle of this, you know, because I don't want to presume that you're like, oh, cool, I've accepted that my life is different now. And now I, you know, share words and instead of, you know, serving volleyballs and, and my life is fine, you know, like, cause I know that things are more complex than that, but at the same time, do you, I don't know, how are, how are you processing this, yeah. this life change? 
honestly, I'm, I'm still processing it. It's still something that I think about every day. I would say it's still in the back of my mind that this life is so different. And as there's so many positive things that's come out of me sharing online, but I'm still, you know, processing change and processing the effects that, that, that brain complication had on me. Because one of the things that came out of it was uh, after that, I really, I started struggling with depression and anxiety and I never felt those things before. And ever since it's been going through that and those feelings. Yeah. Where, where do you feel like you're at with anxiety and depression right now, like this month? Yeah. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, no, I don't mind you asking, but just be completely real. And I've been struggling lately. You know, it's, I can go one month feeling so fine and so energetic. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'll crash. And I don't know why. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm still in it and I'm still learning how I, how I am and how I, you know, it's not, it's, it can be so positive and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's everything hurts and you just need to cry and you don't know why. And that's kind of this, it's been a roller coaster even just this month where I'm having some changes going on in my work life and not really knowing what my next step is or where I'm meant to be. I think that's okay though, that I'm in that place. And I constantly have to remind myself that it's okay to be in a confusing place and it's okay to feel those ups and downs still to this day, you know, as much as my, my brain has healed where I'm not having those symptoms as much, I'm still having thoughts that aren't so pleasant and anxieties and yeah. And that's got to feel so complex too, because it, it, it must feel like this weird combo of, okay, this is literally the chemicals in my brain because of a brain injury. You know, it's, it's just the way that my brain functions now because of something that happened. Yes. But then also being like, okay, but also how are, you know, external factors in my life impacting yeah. this as well. And, and so you have to, you have to work towards healing in, in both ways, you know, you've yeah. got to physically heal and mentally yeah. heal, but also, you know, find ways to grow and to think differently about things yeah, that are happening in the world I and in your life. And feel like I'm a 20 year old girl. You know that. Yeah, it's been it's so confusing because you know all of my peers my age are in college and living that life, and I'm not. You know, my path has been different, and I'm in a different place than a lot of people my age. So that's another thing that plays into it all. Is <laughs> like, okay, where do I belong? Who do I belong with? Like, who do I surround myself with? That's been very important. Is recognizing who I need to surround myself with. I want to talk a little bit about Instagram and the way that you've been communicating words because it, you're, you're sharing these words of, um, of struggle mm-hmm. and sharing these words of, of experience. And I, and I think, first of all, the reason I was so drawn to you and your words is because, you know, like I said before, I could tell that you had had these experiences. And I love that even without sharing the details of your story online, people can read into the fact that you've been there and they feel safe with that. Mm -hmm. You're sharing these words and asking these big questions on Instagram. And it seems like other people are saying, 
I've had that experience too, or this is what I'm going through too, or I'm asking myself the same questions. Uh When you are seeing these types of replies, what is that like for you? What is it like to to see so many people who are, are, are kind of in the same club? You know, I don't, I don't wish that they were going through what they are, but, and I don't mean for this to sound horrible, but it's comforting for me. That's the word that I think of as comfort. Yeah. Do you think that you've stumbled across a, a tiny community on the internet who it's people who are struggling and asking questions? Or do you think that you've just encountered a bunch of random people and, and maybe it's just that everybody is asking these questions and struggling and you're just like, the people who found you are like, oh yeah, I'm experiencing that. I think whether people realize it or not, they're struggling with these things too. Maybe in a different way, maybe at a different capacity, but I think it's what it's been for them is reading my posts. They they connect with it in some way that they're they're wanting to engage with this community. And maybe there's a group of people that have found me that are experiencing the exact same things that I am and get every single word that I'm writing. I don't think it's completely linear. I think there's a you know large group of individuals that relate to it in some way. And it's it's interesting too because I feel like we will always connect with people's struggles more than their successes and we'll always connect with people's questions more than their answers. And I love that you've created a space that's safe for struggles and questions and you don't always just show up providing, you know, the success stories or the answers. And and maybe that's why people are connecting on such a deep level also. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's um it's been so beautiful for me to see this the growth of this. And I've learned so much about this generation. I think that's been the biggest wake up call for me. And it's it's part of my motivation to keep doing what I'm doing because there's so much hurt in this gener- generation, especially, which the things that I, I share even with my mom, and I'm very close with my mom, and she's been with me through this whole journey and reads all of my writing, that the things that people are struggling with these these days weren't happening as much in, when she was growing up. You know, the things that you hear going on in high schools or middle schools, it wasn't really going on. That's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. It's there's this there's a whole new language, whole new experience that this generation has to deal with that yeah. hasn't really been modeled for them before. They're figuring it out for the first time. Yeah. So you know, I feel this responsibility to keep keep that open conversation, keep it safe for people to be able to come to and feel like they're not crazy for what they're feeling and what they're experiencing is real. And I think it's so important for love to be spread. You know, as cliche as that might sound, that's what we need right now. And you don't necessarily have to open up on social media and share everything. I don't even share everything. You know, it's being honest with yourself and doing and sharing what you feel comfortable with. But Love can be just as someone that you're friends with. It can be expressing it in some way to let your the person sitting next to you know they're not alone in what they're feeling. I think it's so important to connect that and do whatever we can to grow in that. 
I think that's amazing. I love that. And I think you model that so well. We've talked a little bit about the future and how things have shifted for you. And so I don't want to necessarily ask like, what do you think that your future holds? Because I know that that can, that can change again. But you know, what, what are you excited about right now? You know, what's on the horizon for you? You know, where my heart is and what I know, what I'm passionate about, what makes me feel the most alive and I is connection with people and relating to people and just humans. I love humans and I think everyone is so different and I love that. And I love people's stories and I've experienced these things through social media and Instagram, but I hope that I can take it a step further. I hope I can do more than just sitting behind a screen and you know, you're, you've given me this opportunity to speak and use my voice verbally, not just through words. And I want to do more of that, you know, and it's just, it's figuring out, okay, I wish money wasn't a thing in life. You have to, <laughs> you know, you have me to make too. a living somehow. And it's, there's so much pressure, you know, to have a job. And it's like, I'm at a place like, okay, how can I turn this into something where I don't want to say job because I never want it to be a job. You know, it's, it's confusing how to go about it and how, how can I do what I'm doing now every single day for the rest of my life? How yeah. can I just love people every sing- single day for the rest of my life? Like if I could just sit back and love people every day and not worry about how to make a living, that would be so ideal. But that's that's not realistic, you know? I mean, I'm not going to say it's not realistic. I, I feel like, of course, is some degree of privilege to be able to do something you care about, you know, every day. But at the same time, I think that what you're doing matters. And I think that there's power to it. And I think it can't necessarily start off like this, but I don't think that it's outlandish at all to, to, to think that the work you're doing can be integrated into your life every day. And I don't know, it's actually kind of exciting to think about us getting to have this conversation right now when you're 20 and in the middle of things. And of course, you'll always be in the middle of things, but, you know, processing what the future could look like and, you know, we can have this conversation again in, in five years and, and, and see what's come from this because I feel like there's so many cool things that can happen when we, you know, choose to be vulnerable and share our stories and, and, and be vulnerable with ourselves and ask questions. And you're doing all of that so well. And, and, and I know that you're leading a lot of people by your example. Thank you so much for saying that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, I know I'll, I'll figure things out and I overwhelm myself too much. So it's just taking that step back and being like, I'm going to figure it out. And it's okay to be in it right now. Confused, not really knowing how to answer that question. Okay. What are you going to do with your life? (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) I think it is fine. I think it's, I think you're in a good place and I love that you're so able to be so honest about where you're at. And I think I think that will serve you a lot more than than pretending like you have it all together or like you have a perfect plan in mind or that you've already, you know, gone through the struggle and you're on the other side of it. I think I think you're in a good place right now. I don't know why I've I've gone through what I have necessarily, but I do know that it's given me such a gift to connect with people and you don't know what you're, why you're going through certain things, but there's always someone that needs it. There's always someone that needs you and 
whether it's one person or a hundred, one person is enough to, to, to keep you holding on to being honest with yourself and going through it. Oh man, what a great conversation. I'm really drawn to the fact that Jacqueline is still in the middle of her story and yet she chooses to share it. I feel like it's most difficult to talk about what you're going through when you're still going through it. It's way easier to talk about things after you've already kind of completed the journey, but it's beautiful that she's choosing to allow it to make a difference in the lives of other people. And and maybe there's a profound and unique ability to make an impact on people's lives when you choose to do that in the midst of your story. If you aren't already following Jacqueline, make sure to follow her on Instagram. Her username is at Jacqueline Whitney underscore. You'll see her beautiful words and you'll be able to dive deep into the comments and and see the beautiful responses that people are offering. It's a beautiful reminder that none of us are alone in our struggles. If you're new to Sounds Good, we would love for you to stick around. You'd also love my conversation with Ahmed Bader, a young 20-something Iraqi refugee who uses his words and poetry to make a beautiful difference. And Hannah Brencher, who is a writer who actually just released her newest book, which included a lot of her struggles with anxiety and depression. And we dove into that in her episode as well. You can find both of these episodes and more than 100 other episodes by searching for Sounds Good wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is created by me, Brandon Harvey, as a part of Good Good Good, a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. Todd Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio edit and mix the show, and Christy Karen Brock offers production support. You can get lots of hopeful stories on social media by following us everywhere at goodgoodgoodco. We also create a beautiful quarterly newspaper that celebrates the people, ideas, and movements that are shaping the world for the better. It's a real-life newspaper. It shows up in the mail and is full of good news, and you can order it today. Check it out and see what else we do at goodgoodgood at goodgoodgood.co. And on that note, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and speak your story. Release it into the wind, whether it's for a crowd or just for you. Your story matters. Sound good?